Bibles to Exodus chapter 24. Exodus is the second book of the Bible. Shouldn't be too, too hard to find. Last week we began our sub-series onto the spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are something that anybody who is a born-again believer of God, you have been given certain gifts from the Holy Spirit. And somebody remind me again, are those gifts for yourself? Are they for you to feel better about yourself? Like, oh, look how special I am to God. No, what is it for? To edify, to build up the body of Christ, to minister to others so that we can grow and multiply and send out other churches who will then grow and multiply. Wash, rinse, repeat. That's the point of the spiritual gifts. And so last week we began looking at the serving gifts. Now, last week Andy taught, he taught on helps. And helps is just very simply put, uh, being able to, to minister, to give things as needed. And one of the things you're going to find with today's topic of ministering, it's very, very similar to what we covered last week. However, there is a clear defining difference between the two gifts. And to be honest with you, some of the other serving gifts that we're going to look at for the rest of the month, they do kind of all go along with each other, but we're going to be very, very clear as far as delineating and differentiating between them. So if you want to take notes, definitely have your pen out and maybe mark some stuff on your study sheet. And there's even going to be a couple of passages that aren't on here that Lord was just speaking to me on that we're going to look at today. Uh, so real simply put, the, the overall just introduction definition of ministering, the supernatural ability and, and as Andy has been saying before, you know, what does supernatural mean? And that's right. And I, and I wish I, he would have been here when I said this. But it, it, it is right. It's not natural. But the prefix super, it means more beyond natural. In other words, it, it comes natural for you, but you just have a little bit extra dose of it. It's beyond what is ordinary. It's beyond what is natural to some. So, yes, it's not natural, but in the sense of you have more of it than others. Again, as we've talked about week after week, all of us should be striving for each and every single one of these gifts. But what my hope and my prayer is, and the prayer of, again, all of your leaders too, is that as we're going through the study, you would start to identify which of these does it appear as though God has gifted me with that I then may be able to go utilize. That's the entire point of it. Not just for us to have our heads blown up with, oh, cool, now I know all the spiritual gifts. What is it God is speaking to you to go and do about and maybe this is one of you guys as well. Maybe you have that beyond natural ability. It's a supernatural ability to attend and serve the needs of the body of Christ. Well, again, Corey, that sounds a lot like helps last week. Here's the key difference. A minister is someone appointed to serve skillfully under the authority of another. We simply put call these people. Anybody know? Don't overthink it. Servants. Servants fill in your blank. While somebody with the gift of helps might still serve, here's the key difference. And again, if you want to write this down, do so. Helps is more self-governing. What do I mean by self-governing? Exactly. You're the one initiating. So like, you know, we look at giving people rides to church. There's no, hey, do you want to be a... Uh, 
a, a ride giver, a part of our ride giver ministry. We don't have something weird like that here. Uh, it's something that you just do to help a fellow believer out. Or like the example that, that uh, Andy gave last week with, you know, Rick. Rick is very good at helping with computer problems and computer issues. He's not a part of our computer ministry here. That's just something he's willing to do, whether because somebody asks him and he's governing it, he's in control of it, or to go with the car ride thing, you're initiating it. You're the one doing it. It's all you. There's no official ministry. Whereas ministering, you are a part of an actual ministry that has a leader over it, and they are delegating tasks to you. So it's still serving, but under different different, I almost said auspices. I don't know why that word popped in my head. I don't even know if that's the correct terminology or not. Different uh, auspices. Yeah. Somebody look it up. Anybody want to see if I'm just drastically off on this? A-U-S-P-I-C and I think it's A-U spices. I don't know why that popped in my head, but different, uh, what's the word I'm trying to look for? Thank you. <laughs> Circumstances. Yeah, there you go. Different help or support of. A ministry has a minister over it, a leader over it, and they're delegating to you to serve under it. Why the heck did auspices come up? Anyways, I digress. Letter A. It's firmer, or, uh, more of a definition. Let's break this down further. A minister is an agent sent forth to be a steward of the business of another. We're in Exodus 24. Can I get a reader for verse 13? Isabel. So who was his minister? Who was Moses' minister? Joshua. Gee, I've heard that name before. In fact, there's an entire book of my Bible named after Joshua. Fun fact, the Hebrew word Joshua translated into the Greek and then translated into the English. Do you guys know what Joshua actually means? It's Jesus. Take the Hebrew Yeshua, translate it into the Greek, Iesos, Iesos, and then into English is Jesus. Joshua's name means Jesus. He was a minister. Joshua ministered to Moses. Now again, we're going to have a couple extra passages that aren't on your study sheet, so make sure you write this down. But just write down chapter 17, verse 9, and then flip back there. Exodus 17, verse 9. So we know that Joshua was a minister unto Moses, but how? Exodus 17. Can I get a reader for verses? Uh, we'll do 9 and 10. You can add that to your study sheet if you want. Verses 9 and 10. Somebody else who hasn't participated yet. Sammy. So what happened after this? You guys remember this story? Anybody from Sunday school? Yeah, Kendall? Yeah. Moses holds the staff up, and you have Aaron and her on either side of Moses. And as Moses is holding the staff up, they're finding, wow, Joshua, who is leading the charge under the leadership of Moses, man, he's dominating. He's destroying the enemy. But as Moses' arms start to get tired and start to weaken, we see, oh no, Amalek, the Amalekites, they start winning. So what do Aaron and Hur do? 
on either side, holding his arms up, supporting him. A great picture of prayer, especially when you cross-reference it with 1 Timothy 2, where it talks about, I want men everywhere to be praying with holy hands lifted up. That's the throwback to that verse. He's talking about right here in Exodus 17. But do you notice, and this is where it's twofold, it's really cool. Moses is the leader of the Israelites, but he delegated a task to his minister, Joshua. Both parts were necessary, but if Joshua, look again at verse 10, if Joshua didn't do as Moses had said to him, the task probably wouldn't have gotten done. We need servants, servants who are willing to follow orders, who are willing to follow the commands of their leaders and their commanding officers. So what did he do? How did he minister to Moses? He did what Moses told him to do. Another way that he did this, and if you want to take notes, write down chapter 32, verse 17, and then flip over there. Exodus 32, 17. And this is just one of many things you could see as far as the relationship between Moses and Joshua. Oh, and somebody remind me, when Moses' time was done, who was it that God chose to lead Israel? We already said it earlier. That's all I hear. Thank you! Boldly! Declare it! It's Joshua. Beautiful picture of discipleship, by the way. The discipler Moses trained Joshua in everything that he did so that Joshua could lead. Look at verse 17. Can I get a read for that? AJ. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. Hmm. You guys know the story of what's going on here? Oh, there was a noise of war going on in the camp, though. But Israel wasn't being bombarded with their enemies. They were being bombarded from within. You know what the noise was? Joshua and Moses are up on the mount. What's going on at the base of the mount? There's a worship service going on, but is it to the Lord God Almighty? Oh, what did they do? Yep, made a golden calf, and they started worshiping it. You know what Joshua did here? He reported back to Moses of the happenings that were going on within the ministry. Now, some of you might look at that and be like, what a snitch. I ain't no snitch. I ain't going to rat out people. Okay, use discretion. If it's something that's gossip, no, you deal with it yourself. You go to that person. But if there's sinful activity going on, you better believe, you better report it to your leaders. For sure. Because if there's sin going on in the camp, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Remember, well, goodness, probably a couple months ago now. Remember when we were going through the book of James? I don't even remember what chapter it was. Remember when we talked about poop? You guys remember the poop message? When there's poop in the camp, it can lead to diseasing. Diseasing? <laughs> I just got over a cold. Give me a break. It can lead to disease throughout the rest of the entire camp. It Sin affects all of us. Yeah, if you see something sinful going on, hey, sure, call it out. And if everything's resolved, awesome. But still let your leaders know so we can at least keep a watchful eye. Not so we can go to them like, I heard you've been doing this. No. 
we need to know so we can keep a watchful eye and then know when or how we might need to intervene later. Joshua wasn't a snitch. He's reporting back to his leader, Moses. That's crucial. That's a way that you can minister because a minister is an agent sent forth to be a steward of the business of another. You know what a steward is? It's a representative. It's an ambassador. It's a go-between. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2 up here on the screen. This is huge. This is the New Testament. This is to you, church. Let a man so account of us as of the what? Ministers. Ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, verse 2, it is required in stewards that a man be found what? I got news for you. This is written to a church. And in one degree or another, each and every single one of us are ministers. Because it says, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ. And stewards of the mysteries of God. Do you realize that the Bible has seven New Testament mysteries that were hidden in the Old Testament but then revealed? Do you realize that according to that verse right there, you are to give an account for those mysteries? Do you know what those mysteries are? If the rapture happened today, yeek. I'll give you a hint though. All seven of those mysteries are found in one-on-one discipleship. So if you've been discipled, you do know them. Question is, how well are you doing with those things? or any ministry that you might be a part of. How well are you doing of being a steward, a representative of it? One who is over the household of that area. It is required, by the way, that you be found faithful. In other words, not just doing my due diligence. All right, nope, it's main service. Sign in the box. All right, I'm here to serve. And you're just passing the time. Yeah, I guess you're faithful to show up, but are you faithful to serve? That's the key. This is the business of the Lord. It's the work of the Lord. We ought to be found faithful in everything that we have. You see, a ministry leader over the ministry that you're serving in, they see your gifts and they oversee you fleshing them out. Whereas somebody with the gift of helps, because they're self-governed, they don't really have that luxury. See, whatever ministry you're in, we as your leaders are able to kind of see and watch your development and your growth, and we're able to then help you or strengthen you. Say, hey, watch out for this weakness that you have, or hey, maybe you could do more of this. This is one of the benefits, too, of, you know, many of you guys know we have our own Bible Institute here in church. This is one of the many benefits of having this here, and this is one of the reasons why we don't, I mean, you might be thinking to yourself, why can't I just go off to college out of state or whatever and be a part of it? Because technology has changed. Why can't we just live stream our things and I can just attend it digitally? That seems to be in now. The reason why we can't do that and the reason why we don't send people off to a Bible seminary school, there's a ton of reasons why. Every single graduation Sunday, Pastor Tom mentions it. The biggest one as it pertains to all of this is that whenever you guys go to the Bible Institute here, we as pastors are then able to monitor and see and oversee how are you guys fleshing this out in your day-to-day ministry. When you go off to Bible school and Bible seminary, those people aren't your pastors. 
They're not able to then watch and see how are you doing with what they're teaching you. And then, and not knocking this every single case, but then these guys will graduate, put out a job application to a church over here or over there, get hired by the pastoral staff, even though they don't know this person. And yeah, he's got a diploma that says he got A's in all of his classes, but how do you know he's actually fleshing them out? The reason why we have our Bible Institute here and why it's in person is because we are able to then monitor and watch you guys to see how you're doing. Are you actually applying what's being taught? And that even goes for in this ministry. We're able to watch and observe you guys to see are you applying what's being taught on Sundays and Wednesdays through discipleship, through various Bible studies that we have going on. That's the key. That's the key. And as a side note, angels, to fill in your blank, angels are called God's ministers or servants and have served him faithfully throughout the centuries in many capacities. You know, Hebrews 1 talks about how his ministers are a flame of fire and how they serve and they go to his, bit, his beck and call whenever God sends them forth. You want to learn something about ministering and what it means to be a minister of Christ? Just study out every time an angel shows up in the Bible. That'll be a fun little study for you this week. And see, how do they react? What is it they do? How well do they do it? It'd be an interesting study to have. Matthew 4.11, I love this one. What happened in Matthew 4? Jesus is what? Going through? He fasted for 40 days, then what happened? <laughs> the temptation. Where Satan himself comes forward and starts tempting God. And, and Jesus Christ, being the Word of God, gives him scripture after scripture after scripture to deal with the temptation. But at the end of it, the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Why do you think angels had to minister to the Lord Jesus Christ after he went through that? He's God. Why? Carlin? He's 100% man. How do you feel after you've gone through temptation? <laughs> well, I guess there's two ways you can answer that. How do you feel after you've gone through temptation and you fell into it? Versus how do you feel when you go through temptation and you've resisted? Remember what James 4 says, resist the devil and he shall what? Flee you. Anybody here just worn out and exhausted when you go through the ringer? You need ministered unto. Man. I'm going to touch on this Wednesday night. Actually, no, I'm not. Next time I'm teaching on Sunday morning. Jesus Christ knows exactly what you've been through. Hebrews 4 says that we have not an high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was tempted in every point like as we were, yet without sin. He gets exactly what you're going through. Next, turn over to 1 Peter chapter 4. It's towards the end of your Bible. You just hit Revelation, start working your way backwards. 1 Peter chapter 4. Hey, read for verses 10 and 11. Jamie. Okay. As every man 
will minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. That God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Letter B. Those with ministry gifts serve in many different ministries in the church to edify or build up the body of Christ. I love that. As you've received the gift, we've covered, goodness, 14 of these gifts now. Breezed over about three of them because they're no longer in use today. But every man, verse 10, hath received a gift, even so minister the same. It's according to the ability that you've been given it. Don't think, if you're in here and you're like, man, I don't have the gift of helps. Okay, then focus on what it is that you do have and then do it with all your might. If you're in here and God's touching your heart, or if he hasn't yet, but by the end of the message, he is touching your heart that, man, I have the gift of ministering to others. Then do it with all your might. If you speak, speak unto the oracles or the word of God. If a minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth him. If you're not able to be a pastor or a teacher or an evangelist, okay, do whatever it is that you have been gifted with to your ability. Don't try to be somebody else or don't try to fake or force a gift if it's not you. Because remember, it's not about you. Don't force it. It's not about you. It's about, thank you, building up others in the body of Christ. That is what it's about. I have here a, just a short list of the ministries that we have here at this church. Some of you are involved in. Some of you maybe aren't involved in any of these, and you need to be. Some of you are probably involved in these, and God's probably leading you somewhere else. Some of you... What the heck is going on in the junior high room? Some of you may need to join some of these after you graduate high school, which for some of you is just half a year away. Sorry for the reminder, but it's probably good to start thinking of these things now because the body of Christ needs you. Music. In the music, we have the praise team, children's choir, teen choir, adult choir, Instruments. Do you play an instrument in here? Andy's arms are eventually going to fall off. We're going to need drummers. Etc. Evangelism. Hospital visitation. Funeral hospitality. You realize, I did not realize until, I think it was the month of June, we have a hospital, or no, no, a funeral hospitality ministry in this church. Do you guys know that? I didn't realize that until I was actually, I was part of my internship. I was shadowing a funeral. It was part of everything about it. And then afterwards, I'm like, holy crap, there's five of our people here from the church. Yeah, they provide meals for people who go to the funerals. You realize how rare that is, number one? But number two, how often do you guys hear funeral hospitation or hospitality ministry mentioned from the pulpit? Not a whole lot. Because some of these tasks that you're ministering to, they're behind the scenes. Nobody knows about it, but it's just as important. Because it's not about us. It's about them. It's about building up the church. AV, audiovisual. 
Some of you guys who are gifted with computers, soundboards, everything like that, start looking into that when you graduate and you become a member of the church. Greeters, ushers. <laughs> Man, I remember, I don't even know what prompted me to do it. I was an usher like as soon as I got out of high school. I was serving elsewhere, but I was like, man, I want to be on the ushering team. And I'll tell you what, it was some of the most fun I had doing in this church. Uh, it's only for guys in the church, but I mean, I'll tell you what, fellas, if you're looking for a place to serve, man, that was so much fun. Just getting together with some of the guys here early on in, in putting the brochures together, which now only happens once a month, but also being able to be a door greeter, open the doors for people. Yes, even in the blistering cold. You know what's great about it? Because you get to smile and you get to greet people as they're coming in. And you realize that that might be the only bit of sunshine that people had in their entire week. Because keep in mind, people aren't just coming to church because, man, I'm walking with the Lord. Everything's going great. No, some people are coming into church and they are not showing it on their outward expression. But inwardly, they are crawling to that church because they've been wounded and they have been hurt. And they are dying inside and they need help. And you smiling as you open up the door from countless testimonies could make all the difference in their spiritual well-being so that they too can be an effectual steward of the mysteries of God. And you can have a part in that just by simply smiling at them, saying hello, looking at them in the eye, and greeting them. That is huge. I will never forget. I love that time in my life as a college career single doing that. You know, speaking of the AV, also brings up another memory. <laughs> Part of me wants each and every single one of you to be sent out in the next church send out that we have so that you can experience what it's like having a brand new church. I'll never forget, I was actually in high school at the time because this is before we had this building, we were meeting in Jackson High School. Imagine that. Imagine coming to church every single Sunday morning going to Jackson High School. Imagine, especially some of you Jackson kids in here, imagine inviting your friends to come to church with you where you also go to school five days a week. That was fun. Who wants to go to church in a school? Imagine some of you guys who maybe come from broken homes are the only ones in your family who do go to church. Imagine telling your parents, hey, I'm going to church in a school. And imagine the looks you get from them and the fear that they might have of thinking that you're in a cult because who on earth meets in a school? Sounds a little weird. Not only that, there are certain things that had to happen that, again, no, not a whole lot of people realize. You realize that in the school, especially back in the early 2000s, that you had to set up speakers and amplifiers and run cords and set up the microphones? No, because it wasn't just built into the stage back then. No, you yourself had to have your own equipment. I remember, and I don't even remember how I got involved in this. I think someone asked, I was like, yep, I'll do it if there's a need. I got involved in doing that. I don't have an AV bone in my body. I know how to work and run around a computer, and I learned how to do the soundboard, well, the old soundboard back when I was in charge of VBS. But, like, I was set, I had to get there at 7 a.m., which means you're waking up at 6 a.m. Sunday in church after you just got off of work at 11 o'clock at night the night before. 6 a.m., you had to drive to a storage unit where we kept all of our stuff, pack it into a van, lug around these heavy speakers and amplifiers, then carry it to the church, set everything up, then you go to your Sunday school with your youth ministry, and then when the church is done, while everybody else is going out to eat lunch, you stayed after for about an hour and tore everything down and took it back. Who wants to do that? 
but it was needed for the body of Christ. Imagine having church with no microphone. Imagine having church and singing worship without any speakers. Actually, we would sound pretty good, but for a church of about 150 people at the time, it wasn't because, oh man, I love running chords and microphones. So giddy, speakers. It's not because of that. There was a need. There was a need. There's needs in our church right now. Are you going to be the one to fill it? Prison ministry. Another great memory. We had a missionary here, and he actually is a member at GBC right now. I wish Jack was here. Jack helps him out from time to time. We had a missionary who was a, a missionary. We supported him to the uh, Stark County Prison, to the Youth Detention Center. And because it was youth, he was dealing with kids in high school. I remember him asking Pastor Jay, he was like, hey, any kids that you think in the senior high and solid that would want to come out and maybe just like give their testimony to a couple of troubled kids in the detention center or maybe even meet with them one-on-one and share the gospel with them? We didn't have evangelism training back then. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. But you know what? Some kids, some peers of yours, especially in a detention center, just want someone to talk with them. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And honestly, not feeling called for prison ministry, but my heart felt for them. And the people that were overseeing the ministry asked, would you be willing to go talk with them? And it wasn't like a thing I did regularly, but by goodness, by golly, oh by gosh, by golly. You think there's still kids who need people to talk with them? Maybe that's where God's stirring your heart right now. It's safe. I mean, there will be guards there. It was a special time in my life. I think I was junior year. There's ladies and men's ministries. There's the older men's ministry. College career singles. Children. Youth. All of those there. There's a cleaning ministry. Welcome center. Helping hands, life groups, prayer, pulpit, discipleship, visitor outreach, baptism, safety, security. Again, all of these are ministries that have a ministry leader over it that you would then offer your services to serve them and to be a delegate for them as they give you commands just like Joshua was for Moses. You know what you need to have? You need to have the attitude of wherever there's a need and whenever there's a need, I'm going to be the one that fills it. That should be the heart of all of us. But some of you in here, I can't help but think that God is stirring in your heart right now. That's me. Like I've done, a, I've done dozens of things in this church that I could care less about. But my heart was burdened because if I didn't do it, could something have gone wrong? If I wasn't the one who stepped up to the plate and was a gap filler, being a gap filler, being someone who stands in the gap and says, I'm not going to let this ministry suffer because nobody else signed up. I'm not going to be the one. If it's in my power to do so, if it's in my ability, if any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth. If it's in my ability, I'm going to be the one that steps up. 
I have. I wish Andy and Rick were both here because I have no idea what on earth caused us or how we landed on this. I think it was well because one was working and one's going to be out of town. I've told you guys before, I don't feel like I'm gifted in many things at all, whether spiritually or just in life things. That was a struggle of mine for a very long time. And I'm not even necessarily going to go as far as saying this is my gift, but maybe it is. But I do know this. When you're 16 years old, and your youth ministry just starts getting on fire for the Lord. And two families that were part of the founding members of this church, this church was sent out by the First Baptist Church of New Philadelphia with about 50 adults and maybe 20 kids. When two of the founding families, who also just so happened to be two of the most giving families, now next week Andy's gonna talk about, there's three components of giving. It's giving of your treasure for sure, but there's also your talents, gifts, and your time. And two of these families were rock solid on all three of them. But when you're 16 years old and your youth ministry just starts picking up steam and just starts serving the Lord and where you finally are like, man, we're going to identify ourselves with a name because we believe this name. We believe this mission. We believe that God has set us here for such a time as this. We're going to go out guns a-blazing in our schools, metaphorically speaking. And two of those families up and leave. When you have a church at the time of maybe 100 members and you're meeting in a high school and you realize, okay, if I don't step up personally, who's the next family to go? And then who's the next family? And then who's the next family? And are we even going to have a church? Man. Don't play the what if game too long because your mind just really starts going. You don't have to raise your hands, but has this church in any way, shape, or form been a blessing to you? You realize that we were this close to not existing. 17, or no, 20 years ago this year. 20 years ago, after being three years old, Satan almost completely shut us down. And I'm not saying it's because of what I did. No. I'm just saying it was at that moment where God put in my heart, I will go wherever there's a need. Because I care about this ministry. I care about what God is doing here. And I don't want to see it in rubbles and ashes. And so you know what? I ended up serving in a lot of places here that, to be honest with you, I did not have a passion for. Want to know a big one? Kids ministry. Mm -hmm. Where I got to know a lot of you. It all started because Mama Pat Winnicka grabbed my arm in the hallway, as she's prone to do. Ask Andy. He's still got bruises to this day. You're like, hey, I need help Wednesday nights. Would you be able to sacrifice one Wednesday night a month and just be in the two and three-year-olds? Again, I'm going to protect home base. If there's a need, I'm going to be a gap filler. <coughs> what, I, I was, what, 19 at the time? I could care less for two and three-year-olds. 
at 19? Not me. And then from there, second year that we have VBS here, hey, Stephen comes up to me, you have some skit background from doing speech and debate. Would you mind being in charge of the funny skits? Okay, sure, whatever. You think I ever wanted to lead VBS and be overseeing it? Think I ever wanted to be in charge of kids club? Again, kids weren't, don't me wrong, <laughs> loved being with you guys, but it wasn't my passion. My passion was always for youth ministry. Everything I've ever been a part of, and even though my heart and passion was always for youth ministry, as I've shared with you guys before, there came a point where I thought, I'm beyond youth ministry. It's not for me anymore. There's no way I could possibly do this. But there was a need. Even for this, I knew. My heart is for protecting home base. If there's a gap, I'm going to fill it. I don't know what God had. Obviously, I'm not going to do this forever. I don't know what's the next step. But I have a feeling if it's something that's going to create a gap, I'm going to be the one to, feel, to fill it, even if I'm not feeling passionate about it. That's really the heartbeat behind a servant heart. And that's not me puffing myself up, because honestly, I don't feel like I can do most of the stuff that I've been a part in. And I don't feel like I do a good job most of the time. That's a me issue. It's God working on me. That's where my heart's always been. And that's where part of me wants to see, as much as I would hate to see you guys go, and who knows, maybe I'd be coming with you. It's good to experience a new church and having things all completely new. So if God lays that on your heart in the next year, two years, I don't know if you're going to remember this message or not. So just make it in your mind right now. I'm going to be willing to be a gap filler if that's where God's leading me at that time. See biblical examples. Exodus 30, 30. We've already, well, no, we actually haven't talked about this. And thou shalt anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them. I mean, set them apart, sanctify them. They are set apart for this specific ministry that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. Aaron and his sons, the Jewish priesthood. Next, the 12 apostles and early deacons. They were servants. We don't have time to check out Acts chapter 6, but that's where they appointed the deacons. They were assigned to that. Why? So that they could minister and build up the body of Christ. Check out Acts 6 later. And Onesiphorus, we covered him in the main service not too long ago. You can read about him in 2 Timothy 1. I meant to go to a lot of these passages, but I didn't intend on going that long for the other point. Didn't even know that was coming up. D, as with the gift of teaching, those who have been given a ministry gift are to wait on it. We've talked about this several times before. Yeah, that implies I better wait on it, but it also is like a waiter. Tend to it. Serve it. We got breakfast, what, just a couple days ago? You were late. No. <laughs> One minute, because I had to go to the hood. Just kidding, it wasn't really the hood. Anywho, when we got breakfast, you know what was awesome about the waitress? My cup never, okay, maybe once. Maybe once the cup ran dry. Hope she's not listening. Maybe once my coffee cup went a little dry. But I was actually there the day before, not with you, 
And man, this other waitress I had, it was like even half full and she's just sitting there topping it off. I probably had seven cups of coffee, seven refills. It was fantastic. That's a waiter or waitress that you want to be like when it comes to this gift. You're tending to it. In other words, if you think you might have this gift, jump in somewhere. You can start by getting active and participating here and then see where that leads you. Try one of these other ministries. That's why I gave you the whole entire list. Uh, we've looked at Romans 12 before, but Colossians 4, 17 is pretty awesome. And say to Archippus, take heed, tend to it, wait on it, to the ministry which thou hast received of the Lord, that thou what? Be a gap filler. Fill in the gap. Don't let there be any breach in the fortress. You know how many military losses there have been in history because there was one weak spot in the wall. One weak spot. Look at the fall of Babylon. When the Medo-Persian Empire went in, you know how they actually snuck in through the impenetrable walls of Babylon and they got past all the archers? It was one weak spot that they didn't anticipate on. Be a gap filler. If you have a ministry, if God is laying something on your heart that you need to be a minister to, take heed to it and make sure you fulfill it. Do everything possible to make sure that it is fulfilled. Because remember, it's required in a steward that a man be found what? Faithful. Letter E. When ministering with your gift, you can sometimes, oh boy. Ministering with your gift, you can sometimes lose sight of the most important things. You can develop bad attitudes and even forget why you are ministering. I've shared with you guys before, as I just alluded to a little bit ago, this happened with me in kids' ministry where I just found a way because I wasn't feeling led of it. But when I graduated from the Bible Institute, Pastor Tom and Pastor Roy say, hey, we want to start kids' club. And eventually we want you to take over the first through fifth grade ministry. There's a need. So I did it, but eventually, and if you're not careful, just like me, you can develop a bad attitude towards that and you can just start going through the motions and just putting just the bare minimum to make sure that, hey, at least you fulfill it. But remember at the judgment seat of Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter three, that we are going to be tried for our works and what sort it is. It's not just that, oh, I did a task, I did it. It's also, what kind of a heart did you have when you did the task? Yikes. That might be a little bit rough for me. How about you? See why 2 Corinthians 5 calls that day when we as Christians stand before the Lord to give an account of our service? Not for to see if we're going to heaven and hell or not. It's about our rewards. It's about our inheritance. You see why he says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord? He's talking about that day. <sighs> Scary. Mary and Martha are a classic example of this in Luke 10. We covered that this past summer. Uh, look over 2 Timothy chapter 1. We'll end here. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And really, when it comes to any gift that you might have, this is key. And that's why even when I look at, if I, if I do have this gift of ministering because of the servant's heart attitude, it's not because of me. I think I've made that abundantly clear. 
given how my attitude could be at certain times. But here's the real heart behind it, the heartbeat behind it. Look at verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me. Again, if you are gifted in a specific area, supernaturally, beyond what is natural, that's not because look how special I am. It's because Jesus Christ enabled you for that. It's something that he gave you. I'm sorry. We were supposed to be in 1 Timothy 1, weren't we? But awesome because 2 Timothy 1 works perfectly with that. Who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. Now let's go ahead and go over to 1 Timothy chapter 1. No, wait, that was 1 Timothy. I got over a cold, people. Leave me alone. I was looking at 2nd. Whatever. We read what we were supposed to read. Let's move on. My head's a cloud right now. Letter F. That is letter F, right? That's what comes after E? Okay, good. One of the biggest pitfalls... Now, listen up. This is key. One of the biggest pitfalls for someone with this gift can be submitting to the rule of those overseeing the ministry you're serving in, thinking you can do it better than them. (laughs) You know what happens when you get to this spot? Yeah, it's in connection with letter E but you start losing your servant's heart. You no longer have the attitude of, I'm going to be a gap filler. Instead, it's you start seeing everything wrong or what you perceive to be wrong about what's happening. And then you start griping and complaining, maybe not to those overseeing the ministry, but you start griping and complaining to others or to yourself. And then the idea kicks in where you start thinking, I can do it better than them. Matthew 10, 24. The disciple minister is not above his master ministry leader, nor the servant minister above his Lord. Translation ministry leader. Words of Christ. That's key. People that are in charge of the ministries are there for a reason. Are they perfect? Absolutely not. But don't forget. Don't forget this next verse. Luke 19, 12 to 14, talking about the parable, again, a parable of the judgment seat of Christ, when Christ told his, uh, the servants, go out and bid everybody to come, verse 14, but his citizens hated him. Doctrinal application is talking about the nation of Israel. Because in John chapter 1, Jesus Christ came unto his own in his own what? Yeah. But this has a devotional application to you and I. His citizens hated him, Christ, and sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. Because they thought that they could do it better. (laughs) And they're still paying the price for it to this day, unfortunately. We have to be very, very careful. Be very, very careful not submitting to the rule of those overseeing the ministry. Again, if you're one that I just want to give of my time, my talent, my treasures, I want to serve, but I don't want to be, I don't think I could follow somebody else, then maybe God is saying you're more gifted with helps. Ministry or ministering says I have no problem submitting the rule of somebody else and following somebody else's lead. That's the difference. Don't lose your servant's heart. And lastly, letter G, in what ministry or ministries do you participate in the church? Again, there's a whole list of them there. Why or why not? 
Do you think you might be a good fit in a ministry in which you are currently not involved in to edify, help build up others? Because remember, we don't have these gifts for self, for self-praise. Man, look what I was able to do. And of course, I mean, just think about it. I, I know we're packing up. Hold on a second, though. None of us actually say, even in our brains, man, all this happened because of me. Man, God, I'm so thankful you gave me this gift because look what I did. None of us actually say it like that. Even in our heads, no, no, no. We're a lot more subtle with it. I won't ask for hands or anything like that, but just think about that and how ways that you think, okay, I have this gift so I can just demonstrate it as a shop window of my talents to the all. If that's you, reevaluate if you really have that gift, number one. And number two, reevaluate what your heart motive is for. These gifts aren't for self praise. And really, it's not for self confidence, it's to build up the body of Christ. And just as a reminder, if you know that there's a ministry that you should be serving in and taking part of, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is what? Always a good, pleasant reminder to end on.